0: Get ready to jumpstart your scientific career with practical advice on being a successful and contented scientist. Each episode of the Happy Scientist podcast delivers hands-on, actionable steps you can take to ensure you stay happy, focused, and satisfied in the lab. Available on all popular podcast platforms, hit the subscribe button and start your journey towards a more fulfilling scientific career. the happy scientist podcast each episode is designed to make you more focused more productive and more satisfied in the lab you can find us online at bitesizebio.com slash happy scientist your hosts are kenneth vote founder of the executive coaching firm vera claritas and dr nick oswald phd bioscientist and founder of Bite size bio
1: Hello and welcome to the Happy Scientist podcast from Bitesize Bio. If you want to become a happier, healthier and more productive scientist, you are in the right place. I'm Nick Oswald, the founder of BitesizeBio.com. We provide bioscience researchers with help for improving their technical skills, their soft skills and their well-being. In this podcast, we'll be focusing on the latter of these three areas. And with me, the driving force of the podcast is Kenneth Vogt. I've worked with Ken for over seven years now with him as my business mentor and colleague and I knew that his expertise could help a lot of researchers and that is why we started this podcast. In these sessions, we'll hear mostly from Ken on principles that will help shape you for a happier and more successful career. Along the way, I'll pitch in with points from my personal experience as a scientist and from working with Ken. So, let's bring in the man himself. How are you today, Ken?
2: Doing great, Nick. So, here we are in... Part two of our three-part series on how to discover and wield your charisma factors. So, last, the last episode, we made the case for why you should care about charisma. And I want to reiterate a little bit of that because this is really important. The things that you hope to accomplish in your life and in your career are not going to happen if you are an island. You are going to need other people. You're gonna need their help. You're gonna need their support. You're gonna need their leadership and guidance in some cases. You're gonna need their labor in some cases, whatever it turns out to be, to get other people to help you. Charisma is the one thing you must have to inspire them, to bring them along with what it is you hope to accomplish. Now, charisma, we've, we've talked about how it could be used for evil, but you know what? Nick and I, we trust you. We, we think you're not going to use it for evil. That's why we're willing to share this with you. <laughs> and, and even if you're just operating from a neutral stance of just wanting to be persuasive about getting things done your way, we assume that you've put some thought into what it is you're trying to accomplish in the world, what you're trying to accomplish in the lab, and you feel it's, it's, it's going to serve some good. If you think it's really going to be world-changing well, then it is imperative that you get your charisma house in order. If you are doing something that is for the benefit of mankind, if you really feel that burning inside of you, then it, is, it behooves you to make sure you can marshal other people to help you with this. And charisma is the way that you're going to get that done. So I want to go back again to that dictionary definition, just to, to, to staple this up there. Charisma is a compelling attractiveness or charm that can inspire devotion in others. Now, last week's episode, you might have heard that and said, well, that lets me out. Can't do yeah. anything like that. <laughs> but hopefully, after you listened for a little while, you thought, you know, maybe I could do that. Maybe at least to a certain degree. And we used Nick's, Nick as an example and, and, and his side project, his, his band. And yes, can they be compelling? I've seen the videos. Yes. Can they be attractive? Yeah, they can be. <laughs> can they be charming? Absolutely. Do they inspire people? I've seen pictures of the of the crowd. I've seen videos of the crowd. Definitely. Devotion? Well, I people keep showing up for the shows, so something's going on. <laughs> so so here's the point. Here's a guy that is not didn't structure his life to be a rock star. He's put in all the hard work and effort that you did to get a PhD and then actually work in a lab, you know, and do the work. And yet he did this other thing on the side that showed that he could have charisma and, he can, and he's been able to bring that same thing to, to bear in the business of bite-sized bio. So I'll, I'll toot on Nick a little bit more here in that, in that bite-sized bio is not a small operation. You can imagine, you know, with thousands of articles and webinars on the website about about technique in the laboratory, in some cases very high-level technique. This this required bringing some very um, busy and important people into this work to to give of themselves to share these things in many cases, and and of course he had to assemble a team of people that were capable of understanding the nature of the of the content that is being presented there and not only could you know would be able to, to read it understandably but would know whether or not it was good advice <laughs> because i'm going to i'm going to digress into a little something that has to do with me this time see i've done consulting and coaching from many, many different businesses across many industries. And I felt that I'd gotten to a point where I could take on any new industry. It was no problem because I'd seen it all. I, you know, whatever you've got, I, I can handle it, it won't be a problem. And then I encountered bioscience. And I just got the wind kicked out of me because all of a sudden I was among a bunch of people. That used a language I didn't understand. They they used words to describe concepts that I didn't understand. That, I, I hadn't felt that ignorant since I was a child. <laughs> As I listened to all this stuff. And I I realized, well, I really gotta, I've really gotta be humble here and be willing to learn. And and so you know, I've made an effort to, to get in with this crowd, (laughs) this crowd of scientists. And I, and I've learned to use phrases, you know, like, like PCR and flow cytometry. And I, I almost sound like I know what they mean. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The point being of all this though, that, that for me, for me to be charismatic in this space, I had to do a lot of listening. I had to ask a lot of questions Because at the end of the day, I need folks to listen to what I'm saying. I I am an expert on the areas that I'm an expert on. (laughs) And for them to respect me there, I was going to have to show respect for their their space and what they knew. And that's one thing I think actually comes a little bit more naturally among scientists than among uh, other people. You're used to encountering people that are experts about something... That you just haven't had time to have expertise in. There's 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 so much there that no one can know at all, and so you know you have the oppor- the opportunity for a mutual admiration society, as it were, which is fine. But the the beauty of that is that when you when you when you show admiration for the other person, they are they are somewhat compelled to show admiration for you if you can demonstrate. You're, that you're a peer to them, that, that, okay, you know something I don't know about. Now here's something that I know about that you don't know about. And if you present it in the right way, you can help bring people along. So that's the question then. What's the right way? How do I, how do I take this and, and get people on board with the way I'm seeing things and what I think ought to be accomplished? Well, just like we had with human needs and just like we had with core mindsets, I was looking for a set of things that could be remembered that would be small enough that people could just hold it in their heads and not have to be referring back to a manual all the time and where where it would be complete enough that in that it would, in most cases, cover everything they needed. So we're going to discuss six charisma factors that anyone can implement some people will be outstanding in implementing some of these things and you'll and as you're listening to these you'll you'll be able to pick out the ones that are best for you and I want to be clear here this is a little different than human needs when with the six human needs everybody has all six at all times it's just the 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 level of importance of each of them shifts from person to person, but they're all there all the time. That is not the case with charisma factors. These six charisma factors, you are not required to be good at all six of them. You don't. You can, you can be good at a few of them. You can be good at one of them and it will be enough. So don't feel overwhelmed by this. When you start hearing some of these and you go, oh, I could never be that. Okay, fine. Don't worry about that one. We'll move on to the next one after that. But it's also good for you to recognize these factors in other people because you will see then why other people are getting their way, why other people's projects are being promoted and when yours isn't. You'll see what's different about what they're doing versus what I'm doing. And it will help you to, one, to, to you know maybe not be as put out by that because, hey, when people are being charismatic, when they're being persuasive and and inspiring, well, things should happen. And you can't be jealous about that stuff. You know, you can't be envious about it. Like, why, why can't I have that? You know, well, you can. You just have to do the things that they're doing. And if you can't do everything that they're doing, well, do some of the things that they're doing and at least get some of the results that they're getting. So before I dive into these, is there anything you wanted to add, Nick?
1: No, I think. Well, I, I mean, I, the only thing relevant again. We go back to the the band situation and bite size bio. So, um, I, the beginning of bite. I mean, we bootstrap bite size bio from nothing, and so looking back on it, I, I must have had some charisma, as in I got I people wanted to work with me when we had no, you know, we couldn't pay people to do anything and things like that. <laughs> so that yes. was
2: that definitely takes charisma. <laughs>
1: so. But I think it's the same. I just didn't realise that that was charisma. It's just me being me. And mm-hmm. um, but then I, I, the interesting thing is that then to do the band situation, or to, to be able to to be able to increase my charisma to, to an effective level to be able to do the meet the challenge for the band, it, um, that required focusing on that innate innate charisma and and amplifying it. And um, and and actively working on it, and um, so that's probably the situation for a lot of people. You are probably being charismatic without realizing it, but then there are then there are um, you know by looking at other people, you can figure out, uh, and then by look you know by going with the pointers that you give Ken, then you can you can turn up the volume on that charisma that you already have, and that's really what the situation is, I think. Um, exactly and one other one other thing is that along the way Bite Size Bio and the band I've drawn heavily on I've always if I could get help then I've taken it as in um, I got Kenan to help me um, in Bite Size Bio for the band I got a singing teacher I got and and he was in a proper band like a very successful band and so um, he was able to give me the confidence that I could actually do that, you know, transfer some of his confidence, if you like, or, you know, um, and, you know, I've done various things that, that where I have deliberately put myself in a situation where I had to learn from someone else and, um, or rise to the occasion. And, um, and those both seem to be, uh, have the effect of, uh, amplifying the, the charisma.
2: Sure. And I, you know, I can say having worked with people at Bite Size Bio for, several years now and there has been a change in personnel over time but when I first started working with him it was a good team of people that Nick had drawn and over time it's gotten better and better and better he's drawing better and better people and he's and it's he's almost doing it on automatic now because he's he's installed this charisma now and and it's showing up. And you're going you're gonna to hear some of these as we talk about them. You're going to be able to guess which ones work for Nick. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be obvious to you. And probably even just from hearing me um, on this podcast, you're going to recognize some of my charisma factors. And you know, I'll point out some of that stuff too. And this is, this is not about, um, you know, obviously we're not just trying to look good in front of anybody. I, this is not an ego stroke to say, "Well, look at me; I'm charismatic." You know, it's, well, it's necessary to be charismatic, and it's actually not that uncommon. So, it's feeling feeling all special about it is kind of silly.
1: It's not very but difficult either, actually, once you once right. you understand. That.
2: <laughs> yeah, and so it's it's silly to to get egotistical about this stuff, but it is also silly to pretend it doesn't matter. And you know, like, I don't need that. Or, well, that's for other people, or it's, you know, or I can't, you know, don't, to say you can't do something that is well within your capability is also, it's a kind of an inverse egotistical position to take. So, um, you know, being egotistical is, is not a good thing in case I haven't made that clear. <laughs> being, being humble is a very good thing. And sometimes that's counterintuitive to folks. The humility seems like, well, that wouldn't work, but it does, but it does. People are drawn to humility. People are offended by egotism. So, you know, it'll, it'll become clear as we, we talk about some of these. So, now these six factors, we're going to consider them in, in, in order. And here's the order. Alphabetical. Because there is no order. <laughs> there's nothing, there's no link particularly between one to another or anything. That's kind of the point. There's no crossover between these. Um, and there isn't one that's more important than another. I promise you, you can have merely one of these and if you nail it, it will be more than enough and you will, you will stand out. And that's, that's what this is about. It's standing out for a good reason. You're not standing out because you want to pretend to be important or because you want attention. You're standing out because it's in service of a greater goal. It's in service of a mission that, that, that you have put yourself in charge of. So um, that's the point of all this. So, the first charisma factor we're going to cover is being admirable. That is, being someone who is respectable, reputable, and honorable. That is not something that a lot of folks automatically think of when it comes to charisma. But, but having people admire you because they believe you are a good person and that you have that that you have the greatest good in mind for others, is very very powerful, and um, there's a there's a graphic we have in the show notes that's going to cover all of these these characteristics, and it's got some example people from history that you'll recognize. But if you think back about it, you know, there. If you think about the people that you admire, aren't you willing to do things for them? Aren't you willing to follow their advice? Aren't you willing to to put yourself out for somebody that you admire. And it might be somebody you admire, you know, in a in a really big way. You know, they you admire them because they're they're Winston Churchill and they took they took England through World War II, you know. Okay, well that's something that you might deeply admire. Uh, or it could be just like the I admire my second grade teacher. She she gave me a love of reading and and it stayed with me my whole life. You know, so Ad, being admirable can show up in a lot of ways. <clears throat> so one thing I would like to point out here when you look at something like Bite Size Bio and you think well, who, would have, who would have started something like that? Who would have bothered to put together a bunch of tools to help lab-based scientists at the bench? Who, who would have bothered to do that and you think wow that's really great because there really isn't anything out there like it. it it's it's a one of a kind and now it's gotten to the point where if if you also had the same kind of desire to help being able to do something like this you might look at it and go wow i don't know how i could possibly catch up to that <laughs> well there's something admirable about bite-sized bio and you know admirability you can you can see it in a in an organization, but ultimately it comes down to the people. It, ultimately, there's a person there that you're going to admire. And, and you, it might be somebody you admire in your department. And you might admire people for different reasons. You might admire somebody's work ethic or you might admire their intellect or you might admire their curiosity or their stick-to-itiveness. You know, there's lots of things that can be ad- admired. And you could take an inv- you know, a self-inventory and say, what, what about me is admirable? You know, you'll, and I know the first thing you'll do is you go, well, I can know exactly what's not admirable about me. You know, I'm lazy and I'm smelly and I'm stupid and I'm, you know, <laughs> you know. okay, <laughs> get those out of the way. But then go, what is it admirable? What is there that's admirable about me? And you may be surprised how many things you can find. And once you identify it and you realize, well, you know what, you know, all ego aside, I'm pretty smart and I've worked hard at it too. You know, so I'm not just smart, I'm educated. I am Ariadite. I've I've I know I I I'm a deep domain expert in, in certain places. Well, once you have that and you realize, okay, now that's something that I can use for charisma. Now you don't run around and tell, you know, just to, you don't introduce yourself like, "Hi, my name's Ken. I'm a deep domain expert on on how to motivate people." You know. <laughs> no, you don't do it like that. But you 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 find ways to make it known, and and especially if you can let other people make it known. Create the opportunity for other people to speak about why you are respectable and reputable and honorable and admirable. Like I just
0: did about
1: Nick. (laughs) Thank you. It's not embarrassing.
0: Like what you're hearing? Ready to supercharge your scientific career? Discover practical advice on what it takes to be a successful scientist without sacrificing happiness. Learn the importance of meeting your human needs, identifying and unlocking your charisma factors, discovering your core mindsets, and much more. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack and get started on your journey to becoming a happier scientist today. Subscribe now and check the show notes to download.
2: <laughs> Is there anything you'd want to add on admirability,
1: Nick? Okay, I did exactly what you said, what you suggested, and that I went straight to um, what are things that, that I might admire about other people that, that I don't admire about myself, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of them being, I don't have particularly good, I, I definitely don't have particularly good time- discipline, for example. I'm not the most disciplined person in the world, but I really respect that in other people. So perhaps one way to look at that is that that's an area to one area to grow in. You know, if I wanted to focus on that and uh, expand, then th- that would expand my um, my charisma, I feel like. Would that be one way to look at it?
2: Sure. And, and it's also the other side of it is, well, let's say, you know, I've never been that good about time management. And maybe you'll just decide. You know what? I'm I'm never going to be a model in that area. So maybe I shouldn't bother to put my attention there. Uh, as far as gaining charisma over that. But what about me? Am I good at what do What do I have that that isn't actually coming that hard? That I I feel naturally drawn to do. And you might and it might be you know I really like to be creative, and and I really like to think outside the box. Or or I'm very structured. I mean, I, I, I cross my T's and I dot my I's. You can count on me in this area. I remember a software engineer that I once know. And there was this a big meeting going on about some software that was being developed. And it was there was a lot of pressure. And somebody said, well, maybe there's a bug over in this area. And it was an area that was covered by this particular engineer. And he just, he didn't even get up he didn't even hardly look up he just said there are no bugs in my code and everyone just went nope there's not <laughs> cuz that's something he owned he he was so methodical about this stuff that he could make a statement like that without having to check he could just say i know my stuff is tight and that was something that everyone admired about him so if he said something worked we believed him we
1: would we would march to war on those orders so you would rec- you would definitely recommend just focusing on the positives rather than the negatives what you know well rather-
2: it's certainly worth noticing the negatives if there's something there that might be easily fixed but in this case when it comes to charisma I would say there's 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 more ground to, to, to be there's more benefit to you to to focus on the things you're already good at so you know, if if you're a, a great tennis player and and a not so good, you know, football player, well, play tennis. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, you could get better at football, but you may never be as good as you are at tennis already. And since you're already good at tennis, well, why not get better at tennis? So that that works. That works easier for charisma. It'll be it'll be hard, it won't be as hard on you there's one thing about charisma charisma is something that happens kind of on a public stage you don't charisma is something you have to do in interaction with another person there's no you know you can sit at home with your guitar your microphone and you can practice playing guitar and singing but at the end of the day it's it's the getting up on stage that's gonna matter so charisma is like that too you're ultimately you have to be able to do it in front of people so Do stuff you're going to feel more confident about. It's a a little easier on you. So let's look at a second characteristic as we move down the alphabet. (laughs) And this one is someone who is commanding. That is, they're authoritative, masterful, and assertive. Now, we've all definitely seen people like that. That they, you know, it's a crisis situation and somebody just jumps up, uh, you know, jumps up on the table and takes charge. Because they're commanding, and people want somebody to tell them what to do, and they will follow that person because they they were looking for somebody to follow in in a difficult situation. So, being commanding again, you can you can do a, a self assessment there. Am I good in a crisis? Am I somebody that really grasps the big picture and can articulate it? If you've got that, oh man, that is a it's a very powerful way. Of, of exercising charisma. And now I'm gonna break a rule that I just made a minute ago. Remember how I I, I talked about how admirable Bite Size Bio was and that Nick had created it and I said, you know, better that somebody else speak about it? <laughs> Commanding is is my main charisma factor. It's the one, it is the strongest one for me. And I'll bet even though I'm saying it right now and all you've done is heard me on a few podcasts, you're going, yeah, that sounds about right because I do have that particular kind of presence. It's it's not, and it's not something that I have to work at. It's that That is pretty natural for me and it's been natural for me for a very, very, very long time. And I'm, uh, like Nick, I too am a musician and I've been in bands and I've been lead singer of bands, <laughs> you know, because I wanted to be the Lead singer, I, I didn't just want to be in a band, so I, I had a conversation once with a, a, a fellow bandmate. Now, I'm the lead singer in the band, I play guitar, um, but I prefer to just, I preferred at the time, especially to just be the singer. Our lead guitarist, who was a very, very good guitarist, was also a decent singer, he could have been lead singer in the band, um, and they, the band existed before I came along. I had, I had to audition to be in this band. And so I was, I I didn't get it at, you know, so one time I was talking to him and saying, you know, why did you need a lead singer? Because you could, you're a good singer. And, and frankly, it's so much easier to sing than to play guitar. And he said, you know, it's funny. I was going to talk to you about the same thing, except I see it the opposite way. I I was going to ask you, why do you, sing when it's so much easier to play guitar (laughs) so you know we had we had different views on it and this person commanding was not his nature and that was one of the reasons he shied away from it it wasn't that he couldn't sing well he was afraid to he was he was concerned how much attention it would draw to him and the other folks in the band chimed in like yeah we all can hide behind our instruments but you're just up there naked just you and a microphone and i thought i find the instruments to be in the way (laughs) i'm glad they're not there you know so it was some people have that kind of characteristic about them and those of you who have this you're going to recognize this you're going to hear me talking like this and go yep i know exactly what you're talking about now some other folks you're going to listen to it and go it's not me and some others of you are going to listen to this and go what a blowhard you know <laughs> and again it's not for you and that's fine it doesn't have to be for you although if you can be if you can use it do and and i will use nick as an example there and what you know lead singer in a band where he is playing a role being commanding is quite useful so nick I'll, i will toss you into the bus right now and say have you found any usefulness for com- being commanding in in your role there.
1: Well, it's it's quite interesting actually because I I thought that um, uh, I was thinking that you know I the charisma factors that I was uh, brought to start bite Size bio and then the ones I brought into the band were the same, but actually I don't think so. I think naturally I'm more communicat- communicative. I can't say it. That's quite funny. Communicative, and um, but in the band actually it's the it's the commanding that that, that I've turned up the volume on and so that mm-hmm. must have been there a bit and I've turned it up a bit more and then that's what I've needed to do for the band so uh, yeah, I suppose it, uninhibited as well and the communicative as well reducing inhibitions certainly not getting rid of them all <laughs> by no stretch right. of the imagination but um, but but reducing them working to reduce them is the way it's worked Yeah.
2: Right. and, and going in reference to the band too uh, remember folks this is a band that already existed that was auditioning for a singer and yet Nick has basically taken over the band. He's he's the leader now. Well, that isn't because he is an evil genius. <laughs> it's because he brought a, a commanding character to it and they needed that and it worked for them. And they've you know, they've had some personnel changes but they continue to draw good musicians into the band because, because partially because there's a commanding presence there that feels like a stable place for somebody to is, you know, if they're going to bother to work at this, that, oh, this is going to go somewhere. This is, this is going to be an actual band. We're not just going to practice and dream about playing for people. We're actually going to be out there playing. So, Nick, Nick uh, was peeking from behind the curtain there, and he spoke of the third one, and that's being communicative. And being communicative means that you're expressive, you're uninhibited, and you're candid. And, and I agree with Nick what he's saying that, that being communicative was extremely important for the launching of bite-sized pile because it, the whole point of it was to communicate vital information that was not being taught in university and was often not even being taught in labs in that, um, you know, there was a certain lack of mentorship there. Not because of a desired, you know, of, a, a, no interest in it, but because people didn't have time or, uh, or there just wasn't uh, a sharing of the riches, as it were. There, some labs had multiple people that could have been great mentors for, for new scientists, and other labs didn't have any, you know. So being communicative about these important topics became just critical for the success of Bite Size Bio. And again, you look at yourself and say, does this describe me? Am I expressive? Am I uninhibited? Am I candid and my communication when you when you look at that and you say that is me well then look for opportunities to communicate and when you think about the, the point of communication is making sure that the other person understands at the end the point of communication isn't for you to talk it is for you to be understood so um look for that look for your opportunities there now, if this doesn't speak, you feel like, I'm just not, I've never been good at this. I don't know. You may find that, okay, maybe I'm not good at being a public speaker. But if I have time to think about it and I can write it down, um, I do pretty well with that. Well, pay attention to that. For some, some of you, your, your best means of communication is going to be public speaking. For others, it's absolutely going to be not public speaking. It's going to be, it's going to be white papers and reporting and emails and and you know other mediums so you know find find what's good for you if there's if there's something good for you in being communicative and I'll let you uh weigh in a little bit there Nick sure be communicative (laughs) communicative. (laughs) that's right (laughs) go for it
1: (laughs) I was kind of deep in thought there I was just thinking so how do you break this open for people if it seems still a bit dense but um I mean, we, we, as you said, there is the a, the, a graphic in the short show note that allows that that outlines these, um, you know, th- those factors, you know, different areas in which you can you your natural charisma resides, and uh, and so that you can then focus on it and, and expand it. Um, I have to say, for me, when uh, when it first occurred to me that I was in the communicative um, area, that that was my charisma factor. It was quite a relief because I was I, I was trying to be charismatic by being something that I wasn't, and um or or I'd shied away from being charismatic because I didn't I felt it was something that I wasn't, and um it's quite a relief to know that you can be influential by resting in in the the in what you already are and just expanding that, and so I would encourage people to really look at that that chart that graphic and and just see where you know really look look to see where um what feels comfortable for you what area feels comfortable for you and then look for ways to expand right you just pointed out something too that's an interesting
2: little point and that is what is it what is your objective here for all this for some people their objective is to be influential for some people their objective is for everyone to know that they're influential <laughs> um that second one might be very, very intimidating for some folks. But if you could be influential behind the scenes, you know, as it, you don't have to be up front, that's fine. You know, so <laughs> it's, it's like being the drummer or the bass player. They're critically important in a good band. And if they're not good, you don't, you, nobody understands why, but they just don't like the band. Well, it's because that backbone isn't there. Well, if you're more that backbone kind of person, awesome. Be influential. Uh, And you can be influential by taking on some of these characteristics that aren't necessarily so forward. So being admirable can be a very quiet way of being charismatic. Um, So, you know, commanding and communicative are uh, a little louder. And you can also see there's combinations here now, too. If you could be both commanding and communicative, the things you could do. Or if you could be both commanding and admirable, the things you could do and we're gonna have some others that, that we'll look at that are a little quieter too. So don't, you know, right now you think, oh, two of these are so hard, I mean, I can only do one. Well, there's there's three more, we'll, we'll cover them in the next session and you'll see what uh, what is possible for you. But if one is powerful, two, it's they're multiplied. So th- these, are, these are multipliers, it's not addition here, it's multiplication. Yeah, so. I, I,
1: I don't know if this is a gen- general thing, but I find it easier the more that I expand in one, I find it easier to expand in another area or to bring in other areas. Just looking back, right. I didn't do it on purpose. But um, I can see just from these three that, that there are areas that, because I've taken opportunities to to force myself into these, or not force myself, to, but, but to give me um, opportunities to expand in these in, in different areas, then it's easier to, to expand in other areas just kind of naturally. Right.
2: And, you know, remember those three those three um, things I said you could bring to the table for each factor. Presence, power, and warmth. So imagine what you could do in each of those cases. If if I just focused on one of the crossovers there of presence and admirable, what could I do? I just focus on power and commanding, what could I do? If I just focus on warmth and communicative, what could I do? Um, so, So... there's lots of opportunity here. None of this is is overwhelming. Any little bit you do to be more charismatic is beneficial. This isn't the kind of thing where you have to reach some critical mass before it's useful. Anything you do here is going to help.
1: And and it's so. it's maybe good to just touch on what that helps with and what it helps you to do is to connect with people and mm-hmm. um and to, you know, rally them to to whatever is that you're doing is that a good description
2: <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's yeah it's rallying them to your cause yeah and which which is not a selfish
1: it. thing it doesn't have to be a selfish no. thing that it's that's the good the more we rally to each other's causes the better the better everything becomes right and
2: and you know it does give you the opportunity to look at your own cause It's like is this a cause worth rallying to what i bought should i bother to add any charisma to this or is is this thing not that important and it might give you a chance to take a look at Maybe you've, you've sold yourself short, and so you've set the bar really low, and that's why you've never bothered to add any charisma to anything. Well, set the bar a little higher, where you know that some charisma is going to be necessary. Give yourself, the, give yourself the chance to do better than you thought you were going to do, you know, and, and see what you can do. And if you get help, you may be able to do a lot more than you thought you could do, and certainly more than you could have done alone.
1: That's an interesting one. I'm going to think about that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, we will leave Nick to think about that one. And next week we're going to cover some more charisma factors. <laughs> so that's a, that's pretty much a wrap for our session today.
1: Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. And just to remind you that you can get the graphic for show, the show for about the charisma factors on the show notes for episode eight. And you can also join us at Facebook Facebook.com forward slash. The Happy Scientist Club, all one word, uh, to get more about charisma factors and everything else that we talk about in this podcast. Uh, So we'll see you in the next episode.
2: All right. Thanks, everybody.
0: The Happy Scientist is brought to you by Bite Size Bio, your mentor in the lab. Bite Size Bio features thousands of articles and webinars contributed by hundreds of PhD scientists and scientific companies who freely offer their hard-won wisdom and solutions to the Bite Size Bio community. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and want to keep learning practical tips on being a happy and successful scientist, don't wait any longer. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack today. And together, let's reignite that passion for science that first got you into the lab. Remember, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. So hit that subscribe button now and check the show notes to download.